I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. This episode is brought to you by Fiamma Pizza e Vino, located on Buffalo Road in Gates, and the new location of Fiamma, Fiamma Centro, located on Elton Street in the neighborhood of the arts. I'm really excited about the new location opening. It's going to bring some fantastic Neapolitan-style pizza right into the city, and you'll hear about it first here on Food About Town. So once you see it on the website... Check it out at the new location of Fiamma, Fiamma Centro, on Elton Street in the Neighborhood of the Arts. See you there. In episode 59 of the Food About Town podcast, I talked with Vince Press, who writes for Rochester Magazine, part of the Democrat and Chronicle. You can find Vince also on Twitter at VL Press. We talked about his column, I'm in the Mood For, which goes monthly in the magazine, where he tackles one topic at five different places, finding different versions of that all around town. We talked about a few versions of that. We talked about travels. Specifically, we ended up talking about Seattle a lot in the Pacific Northwest. And we also talked about some uh, various locations around Rochester. Um, Vince was only available to be here for a little while, but we had a great time over the 45 minutes he was here. And I'm really looking forward to having him over again. He's very knowledgeable, and we had a great time going through things. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it out on social media, let other people know about the podcast, or give it a rating on iTunes or Google Play. If you have any feedback, you can find me on social media at Food About Town on Facebook or at Stromy on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening. I think this might be possibly the best possible weather day I've seen all year. Oh man, I, I got my driveway sealed today. It was so Did good. you really? Yeah. Oh geez. Yeah, I mean we're it, it was sixty five degrees. It was practically perfect in every way. And by the time I got out of work, it was almost dark. So Yeah, I loved it. And tomorrow's supposed to be warmer. Of course it is. Of course it is. And that's the the weird schizophrenic fall we're having here in Rochester. Snow last week and 65 today. Yep. So, all right. Why don't you introduce yourself, Mr. Guest? Thank you. Vince Press. I freelance for Rochester Magazine, which is published by the DNC and Gannett every month. And the column's called I'm in the Mood For, and I find the best of whatever I'm out there tasting, whatever's trendy, whatever's seasonal. So how, how, do we, how do we get the Rochester Magazine? Some people get it actually in their mailbox because they've been longtime subscribers. Others have to go to Wegmans and buy it, okay. which I encourage. And uh, there are some of the articles online on the DNC website. So, All right. Well, yeah. before we start, let's do your plug. So how do we find Vince Press? Do, are you on the social medias? I am at 
VL Press, press like PR guy press, V-L-P-R-E-S-S. That's, Coincidental. That's the Twitter handle. And then there's an, some Instagram out there that I should post more of, and I promise I will, and then Facebook. So those three, thank you for the plug. No problem. And, Always happy uh, to do it. Yeah. And then I do sporadic things after my article. I do a road show every month. Well, who will have me? I do uh, something on uh, Fox's Good Day Rochester every month where I uh, investigate the best of whatever. Like last month, it was Octopus. Interesting. So we went over to uh, Moray <clears throat> on the East Ave Wegmans. And, All right. Uh, so so let's, I'm, I'm going to do my first tangent because yeah, that's, that's what we do best. Um, I haven't been there yet. I haven't been to Amore yet. Okay, it's close by your it, house. It is close by my house. What's your What's your overall thoughts of the place? I, I know it's transitioned chefs over the last what year or so. Yeah, it has. Um, Pasquale, who you may know from uh, Two Vine, and he spent some time at Branca. Yep, is over there now. Probably as passionate a chef as you'll find in Rochester. As friendly a chef, he'll come out and visit you. And very engaging. Very engaging and. Whereas the, I think before Pasquale got there, they were doing okay. The food quality was very high, as you would expect from a Wegmans property. But there weren't too many people in the dining room at any given time. And after Pasquale took over, and he's great on social media, he's making pasta, he's doing great pizzas, uh, seafood, other proteins, it's packed in there. Is it really? if, If you can get... And some people can't get past the fact that, okay, I'm eating in a Wegmans. But once you're in there, it really doesn't feel like you're in the grocery store. And yeah, it's like a whole separate wing, right? If Yeah, and if you live in this area of you know that East and Winton area, or even if you don't, and you're kind of thinking for, I want you know something relatively quick, I want a good glass of wine, pizza, pasta, it's, you got to go. I mean, okay. it's, it's really, uh, people are going, but I think there's some people that still haven't been. And yeah, it's great. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely one of them. And I think it was when I first saw the stuff coming out when it was first open, and I saw the pictures, I was a little put off by some of the angles they were taking. But I think they've really switched tones, and they're edging more towards house-made everything and maybe a little finer technique than when they first opened. Yeah, agreed. And even this, a couple of the salads are, are tremendous there, and um, I, I really liked it. So Pasquale, I went and did a TV spot. Uh, Pasquale cooked up some Spanish octopus the other day. Awesome! Um, and we did it. We did a nice set on uh, Channel 13 and Fox, and he showed everybody really how tender octopus can be if done right. You know, if you if you braise it right or boil it right with your aromatics and your acids, and you don't overcook it or undercook it, and then you take it right to the grill, simply prepared. Uh, he does some seasonal compotes underneath it, and it's it can be even more tender. Calamari is sometimes not real tender; it's just fried. You know, Absolutely, fry the hell out of it. And sure. Then, for those who have been eating fried calamari, they might kind of like it. Uh, sometimes sautéed. I'll tell you, octopus in a number of different locations. Uh, it might be your new favorite. Yeah, there. You know, it's uh, it really depends because it. You know, the bigger the bigger chunks, you really have to have that technique down. I love those. Uh, those small squid you can get at places, you know, the 
Yep. They're not the circles, but they're actually small ones. Yeah. You get at like a Chinese restaurant. I think Han Noodle Bar does them. Yeah. I remember really liking those because the texture is phenomenal. Yeah. And it it's is. a more, even more condensed flavor because it's all in one. Yeah, it is. And uh, who did the baby fried ones for a while? The King and I has a, a fried okay. squid. Um, really, really crispy, some great Thai dipping sauces. And those are, those are squid, not octopus, but there's some good stuff out there. Oh, yeah. And it's it's one of those things that it's I think really intro level for adventurous foods. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it's not it's not too scary. It's just just another sea creature. It's not it's not awful. It's not again awful, not awful. So yeah. So it's 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 just a different creature, and it's pretty mild flavored, really. And it's one of those things that people really need to try. Agreed. And you know, the Amores is a good place to start. Uh, you know. Uh, Rocco down on Monroe at Mark Kubelow's place. He's been he's been doing a baby octopus appetizer for his seven years there, and those are are truly babies. They have a a great little salsa verde on top and some wilted bitter greens, and they're they're skewered and grilled, and it's it's as good as any appetizer in town. That's a good <clears throat> starting point and super consistent too. Yeah, everything he does it, such a great job. You know, I keep on saying it. It's somewhere I just don't go enough. Um, I know it's a really busy place. Problem is, you just can't walk in a lot of nights because it's so well attended. Yep, it's small, and you can wait. It's great to stand at the bar and and see if a table opens up, but it's it's one of the better ones. In Absolutely, town. yeah. So, I mean, this is this is something you've been doing for a while now, right? I've been doing this four years. You know, I like to think that the best of concept and now there's, you know, there's tons of great bloggers. There's tons of lists. Everybody has a list. So sure. I think I've been doing it longer than most. I think probably a year before people really started getting into the, the top tens and the top fives. Yeah. Uh, see, I was I was about three years ago now when I first started off on my own after yep. I went off of the Yelp thing. Yep. And... I only did, I've done one top 10 list, but I did it for my buddy in Buffalo, um, Buffalo Eats, mm-hmm. uh, RIP Buffalo Eats. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did it for him, and it's something I'd like to revisit, but more on a, like a true, what I think are the 10 most essential restaurants in Rochester kind of thing. And, and on sort of a, what I consider essential, not necessarily the absolute best every day, but the essential places that I think you should be going to. Um, yeah. And I not, love not that. just, I mean, I, you know, I appreciate the people that do the, hey, these are 10 places to go for brunch, and these are 10 places to go for this and that. Sure. I, I'd like to kind of be that, if I want to be that resource and say, hey, this these are the 10 places you want to check out. You come to Rochester, if you go to any of these 10 places and you don't have a good time, I'm going to be shocked and surprised. Yeah. No, you know? I, I think being that resource, I it's funny because I don't, in my column, I don't say anything bad. So it started off four years ago as if I'm telling you these five places are the best places to go for French onion soup, you, you damn are going to believe me because yeah. I'm, I'm not including you if, if you don't caramelize your onions before you make your French <laughs> onion soup, which I ran into. That, that, really? article, that article was almost one of my first articles I did and one of my favorites because yeah. as simple as a dish as you might think, most everyone is doing it wrong or incorrectly or... Well, if you don't take your time, I mean, caramelizing onions is one of those things you really have to take your time with. Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't half-ass it. It's a, it's a time-consuming process. And if you do it improperly, you're going to have bad textures. 
Yeah, non-developed flavors. No flavors, and you know the the cheese and the bread, and um, I'm I'm thinking back to that column, uh, and how many people, how many few people did it right. Bernard's Grove, I remember, up in um, North Greece, which is a fantastic kind of hidden gem if you want to drive. They they had one of the best, and okay. the um, now defunct Scotch and Sirline. Had yeah, such you know, a tremendous version with uh, cream sherry they used, and th- I think three different types of cheeses. Boy, that was great. It was an interesting place. Was that a chain of sorts? It was. It was a chain of probably three. I think like one mid, in mid, Syracuse. Mid price steakhouse, right? Yeah. Um, like a family steakhouse almost. Some would say uh, Blue Hair. Some would say they had their share of you know <laughs> older, uh, older folks that went. Yeah. Um, value steaks, but a great hopping bar, peanuts on the ground, fireplace burning. But I'm surprised nobody bought that because it had such a following. But they had, they had a great French onion soup. I, I just remember the really high back wood, yeah, uh, booths. You know, it had that chalet feel almost. At least that's what they're trying for. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. And it was, yeah, it, it was a real, it was a real odd. It was kind of really 80s in a lot of ways. It was very themed. Yeah. It felt big. Yep. In a way a lot of places don't feel big anymore. Yeah. Cuz so, that's just not the trend anymore. No, it's not. And um, <clears throat> so I I just I like to call them I like discovering who does things right the right way, you know, whether whether it's French onion soup or risotto was another one that is one of those time consuming um oh. who's doing it from scratch type of um I even went a couple over the summer I think I did a Soft pretzel article. And I, I think you and I were talking about that briefly before it came out. Before it came out, yeah, I tried to go to some of my sources, and I said, all right, craft beer is so big, pretzels are showing up all over. There's got to be five places I can find that are doing their own homemade soft pretzel, and yeah. I don't think there were quite five or six. I think there were only four. There's like, a lot of places making, I mean, doing pretzels, Yes, but very few making them from scratch. Correct. I think I think there were only like Tavern Fifty Eight had pretzel nuggets that they were doing from scratch, and yeah. Kindred Fair out in Geneva was making their own pretzels, which are pretty a pretty cool place by the way. I just I wrote about them a couple months yeah. ago in the City Paper. Every they they like doing things the right way there. Yeah, um, it's a it's a really interesting place. I thought it was um, one of those places that, even though it has a similar style to a lot of new places that are popping up. It felt like it belonged there. Yeah. I'm not sure if you had the same feel when you walked in there. It felt like everything made sense. Yeah, they did, you know, thoughtful food and thoughtful design, reclaimed wood. They did things right, even even though it's in a new little plaza there. Yeah. Geneva's got a lot of things going on. Yeah, I got to spend more time down there because that's the only place I've been other than the, the wienery, which is half an hour south. Another great place, and they, you know, they opened also in town too. FLX Table, yeah, like it's um, a full sit-down uh, tasting menu, right? Yep, and um, so there's a lot on Linden Street in Geneva now that is, God, well worth the drive. So Geneva actually probably has surpassed Canandaigua in terms of really some go-to spots. I, it's I think weird. so. And I think w- so, and it's it's it is weird how fast it happened because Canandaigua has been a destination for Rochester people for for a long time yeah absolutely that's you know where the money is and and um, geneva has, has i think m- maybe more better places if uh, if i can use that phrase Although <laughs> there's, uh you know there's some great places in canandaigua too but so there you know i think um 
I like writing about the things when when people really do them right. And if you watch, you know, any of the any of the great shows on the, on the Food Network, um, it, you know, as much as uh, every, everybody's sick of seeing Guy Fieri's face, he, he really he goes to some places around the country that are grinding their own spices and going through multi-step sauces that we haven't seen in Rochester. We're starting to see a little bit more of those. but I uh, think so, yeah. Even the places that are doing nice food here, uh, sometimes those multi-step, multi-day processes, it's hard to find uh, still. Absolutely. I think you really, you kind of have to go to the culturally diverse restaurants still to get some of those techniques. You know, some of the some of the Indian restaurants where they're doing a lot of this stuff still from scratch every time you're eating something. Um, and, and uh, you know, the Turkish, I like some of the Turkish restaurants, yeah. and the uh, diverse Mediterranean restaurants. Yep. Speaking of which, just found a new place. And if you haven't been yet, I'm going to tell you, you have to go. You, you, all right, let's play. Give me the, uh, give me the neighborhood. Okay. Give me the side of town. I'll see so you're, you're in Upper Monroe. Okay. Uh, just on the west side of the 490. Okay. Just on the west side of the 490, right next to Pizza Hut. New? Yes. Yeah. God. I think I passed something the other day and wondered what it was, but just kind of looking over to my right on yeah. the way into the city. I'm not going to be able to... Um, it's not Dominican, is it? No, it's uh, it's Lebanese. Okay. So I believe it's the same owner as Sultan Lebanese over okay. on Mount Hope. Mm. Um Similar style, most of everything, except for, I believe, their, um, I mean, the falafel, I saw them frying it fresh from, uh, from a, you know, from a mixture that they made, and they're doing pitas to order mm. for the pita pockets. It's called a cedar Mediterranean. Okay. Um, That's a good tip. I'm not sure anybody else is doing pita to order yeah. in a, um, I guess what you'd call your, your Lebanese, um, Lebanese style place, Lebanese or Turkish or whatever that's doing, you know, shawarma like things. Mm -hmm. I think they're the only ones doing it to order, and it's really good. Oh, maybe going tomorrow. I uh, haven't been. There is another place that you may have written about. Is is the Malaysian place still open over there in Henrietta? Yeah, it's a really cool spot, isn't Across it? From Southtown. Yeah, I have not been there. Okay, so it's it's right behind um, the abomination that is Golden Corral. Yeah, um, yep. and. I mean, it's, it's the weird thing about Henrietta is you go from the worst of food from Golden Corral to the, you know, chain onslaught. And then on the sides, you've got the most diverse group of restaurants in the entire county. Oh, sure. Yeah. Korean, um, yeah, all that stuff. Korean, Indian, traditional yeah. Chinese, uh, Malaysian. And yeah, it's a cocoa garden right behind there. Oh, yeah. That's it. And what, what a cool spot. It yep. used to be a Mexican place, so it still has like some of the Mexican feel inside of it. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but it's it's still really good, and it's it's I'd never tried the food before, so it, I thought it was good. Yeah, uh, it's, I don't have a ton of frame of reference. Yeah, but um, a lot of it there, there's some they have some Americanized food on the menu. Yep. But the stuff that's like traditional, I brought one of my friends along who is more familiar with the cuisine. Yeah, and she pointed us towards. Hey, you should eat this stuff because yep. this this is Malaysian food. Mm -hmm. um, man, that, that helped so much. Sure, 
No, there's some good spots down there. What's the Korea? The other Korean place, Young's. Yep, is it? Young's yeah, and Sodam and shrimp pancake at uh, Young's. Oh, I love seafood pancakes. Yeah, so good. Um, yeah, so there, so Rochester has some um, Rochester has some good stuff for sure. Um, absolutely, it's changing quickly too. I mean, you you've been doing this about as long as I have. Um, I mean, I've been writing about the same time with my Yelp and everything else. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's been a drastic change over even four years. It, it really has. You know, I was I was traveling a lot. You know, a few years ago for my real job, going to some cities that Philadelphia in particular that uh, was right on the front edge of a bunch of trends, like the butcher shop restaurant, for instance, which yeah. we which we now have. I mean, we've had Swans, obviously, um, but and in the public market, that's really um, the Reading Terminal Market in Philly or the West Side Market in Cleveland, which um, is a, such a stunning building. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, um, you're so. I mean, just for me. From a pure design, and it's just from the outside, it's a beautiful building. From the inside, it's a beautiful building. It's you know what tells you it's a special place. Those public markets when you bring uh, kids, people of all ages, and they're just mystified when they walk in at at everything from <clears throat> chicken hearts to beef jerky to homemade gummy bears to the <laughs> fresh produce, um, and. You know, I, I was telling you also it was over the summer it was in Seattle, mm. uh, which maybe is one of the greatest um, public markets in the Western Hemisphere, Pike Place. And it's a really, it's a hard place to describe because it's, if, if you go to, let's say, the Rochester Public Market, and we were in Rochester, so if you go to the Rochester Public Market, it's it's an open-air market. There's a lot of, I'd say, I want to say, it's not farm vendors, but produce vendors, a mix of farm vendors. And then on the sides, you've got these specialty vendors that are fantastic. We've got some really good specialty vendors at the public market, you know, from Flower City Bread to uh, absolutely uh, Vi Giordano, the the cheese shop. Yep. Um, I mean, there's some really good stuff there. But you walk into Pike Place, and the majority of the stuff is that specialty thing. Yeah. There's not a ton of produce vendors there. It's really a specialty market. Of all kinds. Yeah, it is. I mean, clearly seafood out there is king, but fresh flowers and, you know, I'm thinking back to my trip and some of the things that stood out and clearly they have just (laughs) world-class restaurants, but, you know, eating, uh, they have these oyster shooters there which you can get in a little plastic cup, you know, with cocktail sauce and maybe a little vodka if you want. Okay. And I, you know, you you work your way around Seattle and the Pacific Northwest and the San Juan Islands, and doing that little oyster shooter, that that oyster that just came out of the ocean right to the market while walking around, strangely, is, is one of my great memories. <laughs> you say I I loved it there. We, uh, my wife and I went. That was probably three years ago now, and we spent half our time in Port Townsend, which is. A little bit north of the city, about an hour and a half. Yeah, sure. Um, and the other half in the city. Um, it's a really cool place. I mean, I loved I loved the market area. We found some... It's, it's interesting because you find stuff you don't see here at all. Like there was a crumpet restaurant, a crumpet <laughs> shop, yeah. and it was phenomenal. They were yep. fresh made all the time. They were delicious. And the kind of thing we nobody even thinks of making here. Yeah. And people... There's so many... I mean... Uh, 
obviously it's a big, much bigger city and an sure. international crowd. So you will have lines at, at the doors of the crumpet shop and, um, you know, uh, oddly that the original Starbucks there, it's so crazy. The, oh. the two hour line, I don't know who's waiting in the two hour line at that Starbucks because they're all over the place and there's actually better coffee, but to see, yeah. pr- and that pr- primarily I think Japanese are, are there to take a picture and a selfie in front of waste. I would say wasting, they, they have fun doing it, but hours <laughs> to get in. And it, so it's such a vibrant place. Um, I think it's another one of my memorable. I think it was us a, a, right there in, in the public market at a breakfast place, a, a Bloody Mary and a smoked salmon eggs Benedict oh. was something that is burned in my in my mind. It was it was just so tremendous and savory and yeah. I mean, it's it's rich. amazing because at at the at the market there was these. I'm looking at my notes from. I'm not remembering all this off the top of my head. I'm not that good. Um, looking at some of my notes. Uh, we ate at Matt's at the market and Radiator Whiskey, which are both upstairs. Yep. Uh, in there, we ate we ate lunch and dinner, and some great stuff. And the the other one I really liked a lot um, in the market area because it I mean it's it's an interesting city, really diverse, obviously. Yeah. Um, but around the market area was there was a ginger beer place. They were serving these phenomenal spicy ginger beers of all different shapes and sizes. Um, they make some cocktails. They do a lot of non-alcoholic stuff. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And it's another one of those super specialty places. All they serve is ginger beer in all its different forms. Yeah. What a great idea. What, but it, it's harder, it's, I think it's harder to do those super niche things here, like you were mentioning. Yeah, I mean, clearly population has a lot to do with it. I mean, oh, yeah. You, you have to have a built-in, you know, unless you're only going to be open for a couple hours a, a day. But it is... You know, I think I mentioned to you, it's it's funny, it's, and it's a good t- secret I'm giving away, but, you know, I, I wrote the, uh, I emailed the Seattle Times food columnist, um, Bethany Jean Clement, who actually was just on some Food Network shows, too, as a judge, I think, but she emailed me back with her, even though I had a great list of my own, she emailed me back with her kind of top 10 places. I said, I want, you know, the best pizza place uh, which is big out there. Um, Tom Douglas is kind of the big serious pie or serious pie. I went there as well. Yeah, I mean, I was actually a little disappointed. Were personally. you really? Yeah, I with the place, with the food, with, with the, the, the one I had. I mean, I thought they, at least the pizzas we got were a bit overdone. Hmm. But um, the place, I mean, the place was beautiful. The one we went, it was right up near the Microsoft campus. Yeah. Uh, or, no, it was Am- the new Amazon area. Up oh, there. yeah, okay. So he has two of those. Right, yeah, that's a good he area. He has new Amazon campus. Yep. Um, and I-, I was a little disappointed that day. I yep. thought the-, the toppings were really sharp, but a place that I might go back to to try it out. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's a has an amazing reputation nationwide. Yeah. Oh, we had some we had some great pies there, but he- he's got maybe 15 restaurants. Lola is another one that's famous for their donuts that they they make and bring to you in a paper bag and shake at your table with pink, <laughs> pink champagne you know just really thoughtful stuff like that but the but uh, Bethany Jean Clement ended up taking my email inquiry and uh, repurposing it as a Q&A article in the Seattle Times that's awesome which was really it's still online you could find it from the summer but i basically said i want I want to go here one night. I want to do your the uh, the oyster bar experience, and there's so many. Where should I go? And I want to go eat ramen one night. 
And she said, you can go here, here, and here, depending on your crowd. So thank you. Uh, thank you to her for that. And, you know, there... And then we went up to um, the San Juan Islands, too, for uh, San Juan Island and Friday Harbor for okay. um, three, four days. And that's about uh, two hours north of Seattle. And All right. So definitely up towards where I was. Yeah. Um, yep. Quieter. Much it's quieter. It's quieter. It's beautiful. Whale watching. Um, See, even. when I went, the whales were closed. Oh, they were... Yeah, the whales were closed for the season. They must have been in Mexico if you went, because they go down to Mex- some of them, the humpbacks, yeah, I we, think. Yeah, we, we went up... So the, our saying was we went, went up around November, I think, um, early November, and right. as far as we could tell, nature was closed for the rest of the year. No bald eagles, even? No, no nothing was... I mean, nothing was... We tried to drive up one of the mountains. Uh, we tried to go up... Um, Oh wow! Why am I forgetting where that where that was? It was Olympic Peninsula? Yeah, yeah. We tried to go to Olympic National Park. Yeah, and we did a little bit of hiking, but the driving stuff was all closed for the season already. Yeah, I so, guess you're right. It could everybody gets the hell out of there maybe in the uh, yeah. So next time you'll know because at the end of July into August, uh, and they don't want people to know this maybe, but it's pristine weather and it's pristine. Every year, it's not yeah. just like you hit and it's sunny. It was seventy-seven and oh. beautiful, and kayaking up in those. I I mentioned to you, you go on these kayaking trips, kind of around the San Juan Islands. That sounds phenomenal. And our our kayak guide, who was great, you know, we got into this uh, like bull kelp stuff, which almost looks fake. It's this giant seaweedy. Oh, with I've these seen it before. Bulbous kind of bowling ball looking, slippery, and it stops your kayak in its tracks. And yeah. you have to kind of, you know, reach out and pull your way <laughs> past the stuff. And, you know, she said, and she started ripping pieces of the bull kelp off. And, you know, everybody tried it in our 12 kayak caravan. And it was great. I mean, they're cooking with bull kelp up there in different ways. And it was really salty and a little slimy. But it was. I mean, what a great, great, what a great ingredient for a soup. Yeah. I mean, you want to make something savory, use a, use a kelp, use a seaweed, use something like that. I yeah. Mean, it's so much, um, so many savory parts of something like that. Yeah. It was, and and you know, you know, the the water temperature was, I guess it would have been, you know, in the in the mid sixties on the surface. It was pretty brisk, and um, and then you know, a couple minutes later. You know, we're seeing, I remember my daughter, my 10-year-old daughter's pointing out these little white jellyfish in the water, um, these beautiful, clear, tiny kind of jellyfish that might be three inches in diameter. Really? And the, and the tour guide picked one out of the water and started nibbling on it. <laughs> and it was, and she's like, yeah, you can eat these. They don't sting. You know, they're kind of common jellyfish. And so we passed it around, and it was like this crystal clear gummy bear, salty taste, but yeah. ate it, and that was really cool. It's it was just I, I had not had jellyfish, I don't think before, and I don't think I've ever had it. I've seen it in Asian markets, dried yeah. like a jerky. Yeah, um, I've seen that a bunch, you know, in bigger uh, bigger groceries like a Asia Food Market or some of the big ones like in Boston or San Francisco. Yeah. It was really cool, and you know, it's not something you put back in; it lives. So you sacrifice the jellyfish, but there were a lot of them, 
and then on the on the north side, I think it's in, this is in a lot of places, but on the north side near Roche Harbor and San Juan Islands, um, they had pickleweed, which is this very salty, succulent, fingery type of ground cover. Okay. And uh, we were hiking with people, and he said, "Oh, you, you can eat this," and people are cooking with it, pickleweed and salads and all types of. So all in a matter of probably 24 hours, I had those three kind of crazy things that people are sustainably sourcing probably for years. I mean, I had just heard of them, but out there, they were just these three crazy kind of foods I never thought about eating, but they were they were really good. Yeah, one of those that I, I remember we tried for the first time was at the uh, Ferry Plaza Market in San Francisco. Mm. Um, we tried sea beans. Okay. Um which they basically look like a long green bean. Yeah. Except for they are they have a high salt care salt uh, salt content. Yep. And we just tried them straight and like, wow, these are like highly seasoned green beans. They're delightful. I imagine just putting that in a in a saute or something, you know, a, a wok fried dish. Yeah. Get a little bit of, you know, the wok hay on there or something and get a little char. I mean, I can imagine them being really good in a vegetarian dish. Yeah. Another great city, of course, San Francisco. When were you there, did you say? How long oh, geez. ago? San Francisco, we were there two years ago and about four years ago. My uh, my wife's uh, aunt lives in the city and uh, one of my uh, good friends from college and after for a few years moved out there as well. So we have uh, some couches and spare bedrooms to uh-huh. crash in on when we go there so we don't have to pay outlandish hotel fees. Yeah. You didn't which, go... You didn't go to Swan Oyster uh, Depot, did you? We did last time we were up there. That's on my list. I haven't been, and it's it's one of those places. <laughs> How great was it? You know what? The, the weird thing is the first time we tried going in, they weren't open. The second time we tried going in, they were closed for the day for a special event. But we walk in, they're like, you want some other stuff? Like, they're not doing oysters for you. But we got, uh, I think we got some smoked salmon, some smoked whitefish, and some other stuff. And it was fantastic. We walked from there up to a park up on a hill, mm-hmm. and we're eating smoked fish overlooking part of the city. I mean, what a, even though we didn't get what we came for, we ended up with an experience that was oh, yeah. better than what we probably would have gotten had we just sat there and talked to oh, the yeah. guys for a while. That's great. Yeah, that's Although they were characters, list. to say the least. They were fantastic. Yeah. I got to go. And that's actually a place I forgot to mention. I know you've been there in Seattle is Salumi. Oh, that was that was really something. Um so it's right it's right off near the right off near the Seahawks stadium area. Yep, Pioneer Square on the edge of Pioneer Square. Yeah, yep. yeah, we 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 came off the we came off the Bainbridge Ferry and that was the first place we went to when we came back from Port Townsend because it was right in that area. We showed up and we were there probably 15 minutes before it opened because we knew how busy it got. And I want to say by 10 o'clock, I think it was a weekday, the place was full. 10 o'clock on a weekday. They could open at like 9.30 and by 10 it was packed. Yeah. Um, And it was really, really basic, just well done food from top to bottom. It's one of those things, and it's. I think Mario Batali's parents run the place. Yeah, it's one of those places that has such a. It has such a place in the modern food scene. Yeah, I mean, from the fact that they're doing everything right, you know, they're doing everything roasted 
in-house, everything roasted properly. You know, we had porchetta sandwiches. Yeah. Um, you know, they're putting little bits of skin on there. They're doing it the right way. They're curing meat the right way. And the fact that they have so many ties to, you know, popular culture food all at the same time. It's, it's one of those super connected places that if you haven't read about it, you might forget about, but it's so connected. Yeah. You know, we, I called in, so that's the first place we went literally when we got off the plane because they're not open on the weekends and there's a line out the door, as you say. So we called our order in, took an Uber there. I was with my family and they're like, where the hell are you bringing me? It's <laughs> a little bit of a seedy area. Yeah. There's a line out the door. We walk in, bypass the line. And this is one thing, a differentiator, I think, about places doing things right, maybe outside of Rochester. Yeah. Because I walked in with the madness and craziness and them making these these phenomenal cured meat sandwiches on this fresh-baked ciabatta bread. Which was, that was, was awesome, by the way. Awesome. With a little olive oil, parsley, oh. caper kind of verde spread. Mm-hmm. Cheese, if you want. Very simple, as you say. But we walked in, bypassed the line, and I'm thinking, my mentality, as much as I love Rochester, as great as some of the places are here, the you know the, the thing I think that we lack sometimes here are the lifetime servers, bartenders, the people that are mm. giving it their all. I walk in thinking to myself, I'm probably going to stand here for a long time till I get someone's attention, uh, explain to them that I placed a pre-order, get, have people get mad at me for walking by them. <laughs> and I'm, I'm telling you that a guy, as soon as I walked in, literally from behind the madness counter, pointed at me and said, are you Vince? I got your order right here. Handed me the bag. We did the transaction like this, and I was out of there. And that's such a well-oiled machine where they love their product. They understand that there's somebody that knows that there's pre-orders, that's, that has a great scan of the room, that knows that great business is separating people from their money as quickly as possible and not causing them to wait, maybe walking out. And it was everything about it was incredible and well oiled. And I had the same experience in New York City a couple of years ago at a at a little long thin bagel shop, kind of like Salumi is. Isn't where, everything long and thin in New yeah, York? Yeah, New York. And <laughs> and I and someone told me to go to this bagel shop in Midtown. It's it was across I think from the Park Ave uh, Gansevoort Hotel, which is a great hotel. And we there was a line out the door. We had to squeeze sideways to get in. Didn't know which way was up. Had the family with me, a, thou- a menu with a thousand bagels on it, and a million people going a mile a minute behind the counter. And I'm with the mentality coming from upstate New York. Not that I wasn't don't get a good bagel here, but I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be 45 minutes, yeah, right before you order and this and check out. No sooner did we walk in or standing in line, and someone is literally pointing at us asking us what we want before we even know. We look at the menu quickly. We all order, and within what seemed to be seconds, we all had this giant bagel with cream cheese on it in our hands standing at the checkout line. And it just doesn't happen in many places. Yeah, it's it's that when you have that consistent business, you have no choice 
but to move expeditiously. Yeah. I, th- I think that's definitely part of it. I think when they're, you're forced to there because there's so many people coming in and out and they're insistent. <laughs> yeah. it, uh, your, your story about Salumi reminded me of in a complete opposite way because it's downscale of what they're offering. But it was a um, banh mi place in San Francisco called uh, Saigon Sandwich. Mm. And you mentioned Salumi's in a questionable neighborhood. This is questionable plus. Yeah. Um, and we were, we were in there this last time and place does a brisk lunch business. I'd say we waited no more than five minutes to get an order. And there's just this group, I'd say five or six, um, you know, Vietnamese mom types, mom to grandmother types. And all they're doing is making sandwiches. Mm -hmm. One person's taking order. Everybody else is making sandwiches and they're consistently making sandwiches. Yeah. Um, and I remember we looked out the we looked out the window, and there was a bike parked outside, and there's a guy just grabbing at the bike, and he looks inside, he looks outside, he looks inside, he looks outside, and then he rides away on the bicycle. <laughs> then we see a guy inside <laughs> turn outside to look, and he walks out, and he's he looks down the street, and he puts his hands on his head, and <laughs> his bicycle's gone. That's great. Um, it, it's. And I, I say that, one, it was funny at the time because it was who doesn't lock their bicycle up in San Francisco. Right. But it, it reminded me that little things like that kind of dissuade people sometimes from going into areas to try right. these different things, like going to um, you know where Salumi is, which is eh. Going where Saigon Sandwich is, which is eh. Yeah. Um, and the same thing happens here in Rochester all the time. Yeah. And it kind of frustrates me because the vast majority of the time, Nothing's ever going to happen. Everything's fine. You're just going there to eat just like everybody else. And everything's going to be good. You should be going to try all these interesting places in these different areas. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and there are a ton. I mean, not. I mean, some people cure, obviously. Why anyone wouldn't go to the public market, I don't know. But Swans and Cure and the oh. places that maybe... Yeah, Swans can... is a great example. Because, yeah. I mean, if you, if, you just take a, if you took a second and looked into it, you're like, oh, it's in that area? But if you go there on any day of the week, you go there for lunch on a Saturday, everybody's eating there with families. Everybody's eating there and having a great time. Nothing ever happens. Yep. You should, in most, almost every case, just go where the good stuff is. Sure. Order what the people are ordering. Have a good time. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Just well, relax a little bit. Everything's going to be fine. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the Bon Me, uh, the Bon Me stuff. I did a Bon Me article. I think I saw you outside of Marty's Meats on Park when I was doing my Bon Me research. Yeah, I think you were uh, you were grabbing a grabbing a sandwich that day just like we were. Yep. And there there are uh, so many Bon Me's in town which 2 or 3 years ago, you know, there weren't. Um It was a different selection actually. You know, we had a couple places that were here and gone by the time you wrote that. Yeah. That I really liked. I yeah, I think you're right. Um, um what was there was um What a Bon Me which I liked. Yep. That was in Upper Monroe. Yeah. And the one that I, I liked a lot that kind of died off before that was Lee's Vietnamese, yeah. which was farther towards Culver. Yep. I was living over in that area, and I could walk to there from my house, yep. from the apartment we were in. That place was really good. Yeah. And yeah, and Marty's, Marty's is great, and Kevin McCann's is oh, great. It's and fantastic. Even Hogan's Hideaway has one with a sausage patty that they're doing, which, okay. is, which is really, really good, and Buddha Pub. 
and the and the Vietnamese places up on on Lyle like Saigon Pho, you can get three banh mi sandwiches, as you know, for ten dollars. Ten bucks. Uh, and they're legit. Wow. I mean, they're, they're the classic right. mixed mystery meat yeah. uh, sandwiches. And I mean, that area is really interesting. Uh, one of the places just closed, apparently. Um, Pho Duong Dong, I guess, just closed over oh, on Otis, Otis Street. Street. Yeah. Um, but there's still two Vietnamese places right there that um, right next to each other um, Nam Vang and yeah. Saigon Pho right next to each other. Um, and yeah, Ban Mi, it's, it's such a delightful sandwich that you can go to any major city in America, especially those with a uh, distinct, I want to say Chinatown, but you know, Asian centered sure. area. You can get some phenomenal sandwiches for cheap. Yeah. You want to eat good? That's the way to I do know. it. And you say mystery meat, which it is. Oh, yeah. Because there's always a mix of some pork products. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, there's usually a barbecue type of pork. Yep. And then a pressed gel- gelatinous type of product that's thinly stru- sliced. It's it's a head cheese like yep. product, and then a white pork amalgamation you know, slice, like a roll of some type. But I think, and uh, two or three of the places, including um, Saigon Pho and the Bento Box, were getting that pork roll. I'm forgetting the true name of it now, but. They're like getting a, it from Philly, from a purveyor in Philly, really? specifically. Yeah. It's like a charcu pork, yeah. sort of like a Chinese style red pork almost. But uh, it was, it, it may be a little kind of head cheese or mystery meat like, as you say, but yeah. but it's really good, and the quality for what it is is tremendous. So yeah, go eat some bon mi out there because it's that's a hell of a sandwich. Absolutely. So. Well, I think we're going to cut it short today. But I think we have to do this again because I think we could continue talking forever. Love um, it. Yeah, so, anytime. Yeah, I appreciate you coming over, man. Let's uh, let's do your plugs again before you get out of here. Sure. Um, I write for Rochester Magazine every month, which is published by the DNC and Gannett. Uh, my column's called I'm in the Mood For, and it's a best of every month. Uh, whatever I'm in the mood for, what's trendy, what's seasonal. Um, octopus just came off the shelves, but white chili is now in the November issue. All right, what, what's the highlight of that? Which was tough to find. I liked the – and but white chili doesn't have to be white in color. It's, it's white beans as opposed to red and white meat as opposed to red meat. Mm-hmm. So there may be spices that throw you uh, because it's – but they're, the poorhouse in Penfield, which used, used to be J.G. Crummer's, okay. has a very, very thoughtful um, white chili made with – um, dark and white meat and some great spices, and that was really great. That was and and Starry Nights Cafe has one interesting all day long. Okay, that again is red in color, but it's white meat chicken and some white white beans and a ton of spices. It's really good, and uh, a few others like uh, Rohrbach and the Back Nine Grill. Very cool. And the Bros- Blossom Road Pub. So, yeah, right down the street from us right now. Yeah, so uh, check that that one out. And then I'm um, thinking about some December kind of warming article for uh, for that month. Oh, so, that'll be cool. Yeah, so yeah, check it out in Rochester Magazine or at VL Press uh, on Twitter. Sweet, and uh, I'll put my social media plugs out here now. Find uh, me, Chris Lindstrom, on Twitter or Instagram at Stromy or on Facebook at Food About Town. So... Thanks for listening, everybody. And Vince, thanks for coming over, man. Thank you.